The prophet Elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. He is succeeded by his assistant Elisha, who re receives Elijah's prophetic spirit and power. A reading from the second book of Kings. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up from up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men from the of the company of prophets also went, and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to one, the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 70, verses 1 and 2 and 11 through 20, found on page 4 of the service bulletin. Would you please stand as you are able and sing.
For all those who abide in God's Holy Spirit, the law is no longer a burden. Rather, the Holy Spirit guides believers to live lives of righteousness. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Galatians. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through, through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is, to, is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. And these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I have warned you before, those who do, who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So now I'm going to address the parents and us. What is it that we are doing today and why? 
Why on earth would you want to bring these children into this family? Um, There was a time in America where roughly half the population went to church on a pretty regular basis. Those times are past. Europe, um, which was Christian at one point, is now pretty much secular, even in those countries with an established church. Denmark has an established church, the Lutheran Church, and probably 2 or 3% of the population goes to church regularly. In America, the pollsters now tell us 10% of the population attends church weekly. 25% attends church somewhat more often than Christmas and Easter. 25% of the population. That's a pretty small number. I can remember when I was in third grade, it was my music teacher, and I have no idea why it was the music teacher, but in the class she asked for a show of hands how many of us were Catholic, how many of us were Protestant, and how many of us were Jewish. And I have to tell you that every one of the hands in that classroom went up for one of those three questions. There were no Muslims in that class, um, very few Jews, um, and all the rest of us were either Catholic or Protestant. These days, a third grade teacher would ask that question and would likely be met with uncomprehending stares out of at least half of the people in the room. What? Um, We don't know whether we're Catholic or Protestant or Jewish or Muslim because we're secular. Um, Things in America have become that way. So what are you getting your kids into? First of all, what we learn is that there is more to life than the secular world. In the gospel, we heard that Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. He knows that he's on his way and is leaving this world. We, being small Christs, that's what the word Christian means, know the same thing. We are on our way somewhere else. He says, someone comes to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And he says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the human being has nowhere to lay his head. That's what the expression son of man means. The human being has nowhere to lay his head. We are visitors here. We are going somewhere else. It's important for parents to know that, um, to know that these children are not really yours. Um, There was an epiphany for me when my kid, my oldest kid, was in about first grade when I realized that this child was not mine. I was raising her for the world, raising her for someone else. It came down to um, she loved to get herself dressed in the morning, and she wore some wild outfits. And um, she would go to school if she got herself dressed. If we dressed her, she would resist the whole thing. And so she got into the habit of wearing two different socks, not matching socks. Drove us nuts, but she'd go to school. And um, the teacher commented on those socks, and the other parents commented on those socks. And we kind of got used to it and said, you know, she's her own kid. And finally dawned on me, you don't have to sort socks. Um, <laughs> you just shove them in the drawer. And other parents would come and say, why do you let your kid do that? It's like, hey, she goes to school, and I don't have to sort socks. <laughs> it was my parents that sort of helped me figure that out. They said, why fight it? Is that a ditch worth dying in? How does it reflect on you? 
this kid has got her own, her own thing going on. Grandparents know that these kids are not for their parents. They're for the rest of the world. We are on our way somewhere else. Parents, these kids are now members of the kingdom. And that's what you're raising them for. Not for yourselves, but for the kingdom and for God. What haircut they have when they get older, what clothes they wear, relax, take it easy. They're their own people, they're God's people, um, not yours. And being a member of the kingdom is not about following the rules. You're having them baptized not so that they get a good moral education. Um, that's often why parents come and have children baptized, so that they'll grow up being nice kids, you know, respecting their elders, um, being a good kid, getting good grades, so on and so forth. Paul tells us that for freedom, Christ has set us free, and free from the works of the law. Since Christ has set us free, don't take again a yoke of slavery. And then Paul lists the works of the flesh. And boy, that's a really colorful list, right? You don't want your kids growing up doing any of that stuff. Um, fornication, you know, and on and on it goes. But notice that that list is not about following the rules. It's about treating other people as objects. And if we treat other people as objects, then we're treating ourselves as objects too. We could add to that list consumerism, treating God's world as an object to be manipulated. That's not what Christ has set us free for. This is God's world, just as these are God's children. And then he goes on to list the gifts of the Spirit. Peace, kindness, and all of those things. We are treating these children now as God's children. They're not yours. They're not ours. They're God's. They belong to a different world. We aren't going to treat them as objects, nor are we going to let them treat themselves that way. And so, like Nathaniel said, they become members of God's family today. And we are here to help them grow up to be that, reminding ourselves constantly that we are made for a different world and not to be objects in this. Amen.